Good News Ministries of GNN.org presents The Story in the Bible. Now, here is Terry Modica. We're going to start out with a reading from 2 Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for refutation, in other words, refuting errors, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that one who belongs to God may be competent, that's you, equipped for every good work. The Word of God is telling us that all Scripture is inspired by God and useful to us so that we can be equipped for every good work. We need to remember that there are several layers, several levels, several ways of looking at Scripture, and it's never to be taken as a historical fact that this is exactly the way it happened because there's always a theological point being made, and that's why the Scriptures were written. The scriptures were not written to be teaching us history. The scriptures were written to be teaching us about how to be in relationship with God. The strengthening of our faith, the strengthening of our witness, and the increase of our holiness. How many in here are holy? Very good. A couple of people are brave enough to admit it. How many here say in the Nicene Creed every Sunday, I believe in one holy Catholic apostolic church? Are you that church? Then you believe that you are holy. I believe in holy church. That is you. The word holy means to be set apart, different from the world. Are you different from the world because you believe in Christ? Therefore, you are holy. We're always working at increasing our holiness, becoming more like Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit more so that we are empowered to become more like Jesus. You're not here by accident. You're not here because you didn't have anything better to do with your time. You're here because God called you to be here partly to increase your holiness. Before I really start getting into the Bible, the story in the Bible, there's a few key words I want to give you so that you can keep in mind throughout this course their meanings, because you'll see these themes or these words coming up over and over again. First word I want to draw your attention to is the word testament. Testament means verifying the truth. So we have an Old Testament and we have a New Testament Both are verifying the truth about God and our relationship with God. As we go through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, you'll see that the whole story is about relationship with God and finding out who he is. It is a discovering of the truth. And these testaments we'll be going through is the verifying of these truths. The word covenant. You've heard of the old covenant and the new covenant. The word covenant means a binding agreement. And you'll see that the story in the Bible is a series of covenants. How many covenants are in the Bible? Two? No, there's many more. That's part of the fun of the discoveries you're going to make during this course. Every time there's a covenant mentioned in Scripture, I will be bringing it to your attention. It's a binding agreement. Anytime there's a binding agreement... In the Bible that's different than what the agreement was before, 
It's another new covenant. The word scripture, does anybody know what the word scripture means? It means writings. The word Bible, anybody know what the word Bible means? Anybody take Latin? Books, okay. A little bit more accurate is to say library. What's the Spanish word for library? Biblioteca. There's another definition of Bible. If you look at it as an anagram, the word Bible means basic information before leaving earth. Okay, the word Christ. Even though we don't really talk about Jesus' actual ministry until the New Testament, Jesus is throughout the Old Testament. Christ, Messiah, is mentioned throughout from the third chapter of Genesis on, and I will be pointing that out when we get to that. The word Christ came from the Greek translation, and it means anointed one. The word Messiah comes from Hebrew, and it also means the anointed one. So both the word Christ and Messiah mean the same thing, it's just different languages that they came from. And along that line, the name Jesus, it means the Lord saves, which is why we call him Savior. That's the Greek form of the name. The Hebrew form of the name is, does anybody know that? Joshua, yes. So when we get to the story of Joshua in the Old Testament, the predecessor of, who did Joshua finish the ministry of? Moses, Moses yes. And Joshua is the one that led the people into the promised land. The Lord saves the promised land. Jesus brings us to the promised land of heaven. So there's a lot of these interesting tie-ins between the Old Testament and the New Testament that we'll be going through. There's also some symbols throughout the Bible that I want to draw to your attention in the beginning here because you'll see it come up time and again. Whenever there is a lot of sound and lights, you know, lightning flashing, trumpets blaring, thunder crashing, anything that's like a big light show, anything that's nature that's like exploding, that means God is present. It means, here is God, pay attention. So the blowing of the bugle is a saying, God is present. Let's see if I can do this. Hey, that wasn't too bad. One note. <laughs> that means, in, when that happens in the Bible, it means God is present. Pay attention. It's a symbol that's used. A symbol that God himself created in order to reveal himself to us, in order to help us understand him. Something we could understand and relate to. Fire throughout scripture is another symbol, and fire means purification. And this is also why we say purgatory is a place of fire. It doesn't mean literally that flames are going in purgatory. It means literally that purification is happening. Water is another symbol used throughout scripture. Whenever you see or hear water in scripture, if you think of the Holy Spirit, it will add greater depth to your understanding of that scripture. Water is a symbol for the Holy Spirit. Think of when Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River. As soon as he was baptized, he came out of the water and what happened? The dove of the Holy Spirit descended. Earth is another... Notice here we're going through fire, water, earth, and air, the four elements. 
Earth symbolizes blood or mankind, a human being, or mankind in general. Blood is what sustains mankind's life. And where did Adam come from? From the earth, from the dust, the ground of the earth. And air symbolizes life, the breath of life. The very first covenant, and covenant means what? Binding agreement. The very first covenant was when God breathed life into Adam. What happens with that binding agreement that's between us and God, man and God, What's taking place there is, what the meaning of that covenant is, is this. God is saying, I am God and you are my people. In scriptures, whenever there's a covenant or a binding agreement, that statement is being made. And the converse. We, in return, or the Jewish people in history, were saying, you are my God and we are your people. We belong to each other. And the conditions of the covenant are various conditions down through the whole Bible. We all know the Ten Commandments as part of the covenant that took place, which is what we usually think of as the first covenant. That was part of the conditions. Another part of it was God's part. As long as you obey these commandments, you will be able to remain in my protection. Now, when God created mankind... He knew that things were going to go wrong. He knew everything. He knew that his wonderful creation, mankind, was going to mess things up. So, as we're about to discover, God built Jesus into the plan from the very, very beginning. And to show you how thoroughly Jesus was planned for throughout the Old Testament, I'm going to read from Haley's Bible Handbook. This is a synopsis of all the different ways Jesus was foretold in the Old Testament. The exact time of his coming was foretold. He was to be born of a virgin at Bethlehem. Part of his childhood would be spent in Egypt. He would be brought up at Nazareth. He would be introduced to his nation by an Elijah-like forerunner who is whom? John the Baptist. Galilee was going to be the scene of his ministry. He would work miracles of healing. He would speak in parables. He would be rejected by the leaders of his own nation. He would be a smitten shepherd, a sufferer, a man of sorrows. He would enter Jerusalem riding on a colt. He would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver. That was predicted in the Old Testament. And the 30 pieces of silver was going to be spent for a potter's field. Even that detail was foretold. He would be led as a lamb to the slaughter. He would die with the wicked. He would open a fountain for sin. Remember the fountain of water that came from his side when they pierced his side? He would remove sin in one day. Even his dying words were foretold. He would be given gall and vinegar... His hands and his feet would be pierced. Not a bone of his body would be broken. Lots would be cast for his garments. He would be buried with the rich. Remember, Joseph of Arimathea was a rich Pharisee who gave him his tomb. He would be in the tomb three days. 
He would rise from the dead and ascend to heaven at God's right hand. It was foretold that he would introduce a new language into the earth. That is, a new idea, a new salvation. That he would offer a new covenant to mankind and give God's people a new name, Christian. That he would introduce an era of the Holy Spirit. That his kingdom would be universal and endless. All those details are throughout the Old Testament. Now, before we really plunge into the Old Testament, open up to the very front of your Bibles and let's get familiar with your table of contents. There are different sections of books, different types of books. The first five books of the Bible are called what? The Pentateuch. The word Pentateuch means five books. These are also called the Torah. The word Torah means instruction. The Pentateuch are Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. These five books relate to us the origins of Jewish beliefs and laws. Then we have the books of the former prophets. There are former and latter prophets. The former prophets tell us what the baby nation of Israel did or did not do to love God. How well they did or did not love God. The story in Genesis, think of it in terms of a child growing up. First, the baby is born. That's in the beginning of Genesis. And by the time Jesus comes, the Israelites are rebellious teenagers. So we're going through the story of a growing child. And the former prophets are telling us how well the baby nation of Israel was doing in their love relationship with God. And these books are Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Samuel 1 and 2, and Kings 1 and 2. There will be some overlapping in some of these books. Then we have the historical books that describe the stories of Israel's encounters with God as God is beginning to raise this baby through toddlerhood and and childhood, teaching the Israelites who he is and how to relate to him and how to receive his love. The history stories are told in... Samuel 1 and 2, remember I said there'd be some overlapping, Kings 1 and 2, also Chronicles 1 and 2, Ezra, Nehemiah, Tobit, Judith, Esther, and Maccabees 1 and 2. Then we have the wisdom books, which include Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs, the Book of Wisdom, and Sirach. Sirach is also called in some versions Ecclesiasticus, which is different than Ecclesiastes, two different books. Then we have the the latter prophets, also called the major prophets. These books are preaching God's word and they're preaching it with a purpose. The purpose is to give God's assessment to the people of how well Israel was doing. And by now, it's the adolescent Israel. How well the adolescent Israel did or did not live up to the covenant. These books are Isaiah, 
Jeremiah, Lamentations, Baruch, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Before we get into uh, the outline of the New Testament, I'm going to give you a little understanding of the books in the Old Testament that are not in the Protestant versions of the Bible. These are called apocryphal books. I'll give you the names of the books, and I'll give you an easy way to remember them by. We'll do another anagram. We're going to make the name of somebody, and this is an Internet fellow, somebody who really loves cruising the World Wide Web. His name is T.J. Mac Webb. T.J. Mac Webb. He loves cruising the Internet, okay? T is for Tobit. J is for Judith. Mac is for Maccabees, both books, one and two. W is for Wisdom. E is for Ecclesiasticus. And B is for Baruch. Those are the apocryphal books. By the way, the book of James in the New Testament was almost removed by the Protestants when they were putting their own version of the Bible together at the Reformation because of the teachings in James about faith being dead without works and that kind of thing. But fortunately, they kept it in. But here's how it came to be that these apocryphal books of the Old Testament are not included in some Bibles. In the year 250 B.C., the Old Testament was translated from Hebrew to Greek. And the Greeks used 70 translators to go through all the Old Testament books and translate them into Greek. And these translators are given the name, maybe you've seen this, Septuagint. Septuagint means 70, or comes from the root word for 70. And in the Latin version of these translators, we have the Roman numerals for 70. So sometimes in your footnotes in your Bible or in some Bible study book, you'll come across a little notation that refers to LXX or the Septuagint. And that's referring to these original translators. When these 70 translators took the Old Testament books to translate, they found all of the books of the Old Testament that are in our Catholic Bibles. So they translated all of them. And this version, this Greek version, was what Jesus and St. Paul used when they did their teachings. It was a common usage in the time of Jesus. Tobit, Judith, the two books of Maccabees, Wisdom, Ecclesiastic, and Baruch were familiar to Jesus and the Jewish people of his time as part of the Old Testament. You probably have heard somewhere along the line that 70 years after Jesus' birth, 70 A.D., Jerusalem was destroyed by Rome. This destruction of Jerusalem threw the Jewish nation into great turmoil and great crisis, of course. Eighty-five years after the fall of Jerusalem, they were still struggling to pull their nation back together. 
And in an effort to pull their nation back together, they threw out the Greek translation and went back to the Hebrew. And when they dug up their old Hebrew versions of the Old Testament, whatever it was that they dug up did not have these apocryphal books in it. So when the Protestants came along at the Reformation, they said, let's go back to the beginning. Which ones are the real Hebrew books of the Bible? And they went to the version that the Jews went to after the fall of Jerusalem. So that's why the Protestant Bibles are missing those books and the Catholic Bibles have them. Although some Protestant Bible publishers are beginning to include them now. Okay, that's the introduction. You've been listening to Story in the Bible. For more faith builders or to learn more about this ministry, come visit our website. You'll find online resources and lots more to help you know the Father's love and grow closer to Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Visit GNM.org today.